gets away from Hendry and Paul scores for England. For Neil McCann. Hutchison! Behind Scotland. Adam Lallana pulled back to Rooney. 3-1. Brilliant, brilliant football. Having got the goal, goes again. Oh! It's astonishing. It's Lee Griffiths. Oh, here's Gascoigne. Gascoigne, he can finish it here. Hello and welcome back to What the Fork at the Euros. It's the big one. England-Scotland is ready and raring to go this Friday at Wembley as the old enemy, I think I pronounced that correctly, face each other for the first time since that exhilarating 2-2 draw at Hampden Park in 2017. Moods in either fans' camp are slightly different, but nonetheless, we have got two regular faces, faces, faces with us this evening. First up, it's been a while since he's been on, but the man with the most stereotypical English name outside of John Smith. It's Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm, I'm very good, mate. How's, uh, how's you? Are you all right? Yeah, a bit sunburnt. Same as you, I think, but that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to, sunburn, nice to have sunburn. Nice to have sunburn. Nice. And, of course, with us, as always, when we're discussing Scotland anyway, it's Mother World's answer to Carl Pilkington, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are you doing? Are you all right? Oh, it's fine to you called it the old enemy. It's called the old enemy. Get it the right. Old. The well, old to enemy. Be fair, well, Englishman. Englishman in New York, mate. What can I say? Hi. No, I'm not having that. I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, doing well, mate. Doing well. Just looking forward to the games. Got, obviously, tickets for Hamden on Tuesday. And I've got tickets for uh, Croatia versus Czech Republic on Friday. So I'm getting a bit of Euro action, which is nice. Uh, random question. Um, I'll come to you first, Scott, uh, before we go into the game. At the time of speaking, we've gone beyond match day one. We're starting sort of match day two. Which teams and which players have impressed you most in the tournament so far? Uh, well, I'm going to have to say what I said in the tournament preview show when I, I said about Belgium. Uh, I thought Belgium looked good. But uh, then when I think about it, I couldn't decide if Belgium looked good or if Russia just looked absolute bohem. So I'm not really sure uh, which one. But still, you know, obviously I talked about De Bruyne, who's obviously not been in the squad yet with his sore face. Um, but Lukaku certainly looked good. Um, I w- I've been impressed by not so much individual players that are on just now. I've been impressed by uh, Italy. And I think I had said, that the, you know, in the preview that, you know, they're maybe not what they used to be, but, you know, they're, they're going through it and they're, they're playing quite well. So I've been impressed by Italy. Um, I was really impressed by Ukraine, the way that they came back, and not necessarily in terms of, I think they're going to go and win it, but I just, I really enjoyed that game. Um, and they, they came in, and obviously I've uh, not been impressed by Scotland. So there you go, I've answered your next question. I couldn't believe that I didn't know Andrei Shevchenko was the manager of Ukraine until I actually seen him I know, there. I thought I was he like, was like an assistant coach or something, and then they're like, oh, Andrei Shevchenko, the manager. You're like, all right, just like that. Yeah, like how, well, I was going to say, how did that happen? But I guess because he's like the ultimate legend there, isn't he? But um, I hear you in Italy. Obviously, the plane, whilst we're speaking currently, dedication to the pod, that is. But 
the Italians have looked very, very good. And I think we probably underestimated them the pod because I checked their form afterwards and conceded like one goal in the past 10 years or something. And I was like, all oh, right, okay, well, maybe they're better than we, we first thought. Pilo is not what they're all about. But um, it was I was impressed by England, which I'll, I'll say now, I'm sure we'll get further into. Uh, but the French just looked like they were playing on a different planet last night, I felt, um, which is kind of terrifying when you support a team that you think and hope may actually have half a chance of winning it. Watching France, I was a bit like, maybe, maybe not. Um, Jack, same question to you. Who's impressed you, mate? Yeah, France France last night looked very, very good. I thought the fluidity between the front three was excellent. And Mbappe's just speed alone when he burnt the uh, the German defender. He seemed to give him about a 25-yard head start and then still burned him to the ball. And I think, but for a couple of tight VR calls, that could have been an even more comfortable win for France. And there's a reason they're the favourites, you know what I mean? I think they've won. The, uh, the World Cup last time, that they've got the right mi- mixture of players and they seem to be hitting the peak at the right time. Um, I'd say France, Italy are looking good. Italy played really well. I'm watching them now and they're looking sharp, uh, looking quick, uh, solid at the back. I don't know if it's 10 years, Grim, but I think they have certainly haven't conceded a, a goal in a long, long time. Um, so that would be the two immediately. I thought we England looked good in spells on Sunday. Um, 15, 20 minutes in the first half, 15, 20 minutes in the second half. Uh, would have been a nicer to get a second and really make it a bit more comfortable. But I suppose for not really playing hugely well, you take the three points in the clean sheet and we should be able to top the group now, hopefully. Um, I mean, we, look, we were looking at it earlier, weren't we, before the tournament started. I'm a big believer in winning the games, but actually finishing second or third might work out better for us in terms of who we're playing. Uh, but yeah, if we can improve the performance on Friday night, hopefully, then uh, we'll uh, hopefully get another win. I'm like, I'm one of those people where I'm looking at it and I'm going, no, you've, you've got to win games. You know, you've got to beat everyone to win the tournament. And I'm going, oh, France in the last 16. No, I'll yeah. take second. Thank you very much. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, avoid them. Let someone else knock them out. But but Jack, I'll stay with you. Obviously, it's um, it's a big game in the context of both nations um, for multiple reasons, which I don't need to go too far into. But, but how are you feeling ahead of the game two days beforehand? I'm confident. I think there's a reason England will go into it as favourites on paper. I know football games aren't played on, paid on, played on paper, but England do have the strongest side. I think even a, a, a staunch Scotsman like Scott would admit that the uh, the England squad's better than the, the Scotland squad. No. Um, nah. <laughs> and uh, I, think, I think we didn't play particularly well. I think there's a little bit more to come from England. I hope we're going to be a, a slow burner as we go into the tournament. Uh, sometimes the first game is a bit of a sticky one England traditionally don't have a great record in the first games at tournaments we tend to drop points uh, I know we drew the last Euros against Russia didn't we and we haven't won a great deal of opening matches so to win the game that was the main thing I think we're, we're building slowly hopefully uh, we can improve the performance I think if we get you know if we pick the right team and the players that are on form the attacking players I think we have too many players that can hurt Scotland I think if we're on form we should create chances for fun against them. So I don't think it's going to be a three or four nil. I'm not stupid enough to think it'll be a walkover, but I'm confident England can do well and hopefully get the win on uh, on Friday. Oh, on the flip side, Scott, um, obviously living next door to Hamden Park, which I feel like I mentioned every podcast in case people didn't know where I lived. Um, not very good if you're a burglar listening to it. I have to give away my location there. Um, laptop's not good. You don't want it. But... I've kind of understood and I can feel a kind of flatness that's lived within this area in Glasgow and, and probably Scotland since 
since the game on Monday, but you know, uh, time's a wonderful healer, and and when it gets close to a match day, you do feel a bit more confident. But um, how are you feeling about the game coming up on on Friday at the moment? I think I'm still reeling a wee bit from uh, from Monday. You know, I still I've said a few times I, I felt that was the chance, that was the big chance for us to put the marker down. That said, when we did the review show. Having had maybe a day or two now to, to look back over it, we, we probably weren't quite as bad as how it seemed at the time. Uh, you know, you lose 2-0 at home to the, in the game that you're probably looking most likely to win without underestimating the checks. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but of the three, as we said, they're only two places above us in the in the rankings. So that's the game that we should have been looking to win. Um, you know, it's... What can I say? It's, it's Scotland, England. Uh, I was there when we the game at Hamden was it 2017? Was it? Yeah. Like four years ago now, 2017. Uh, and it's just it's a great occasion. It's just I've been to Wembley twice as well. Uh, both of those, well, I think both of those. One was a friendly, and one was the reverse of that game, the qualifier. Um, and it's it's just a, it's a good occasion. You know, it's it's what football's about. You, you get your your banter going with your pals who are on the other side of the fence or whatever. And uh, football-wise, it's really our, our team's chance to step up and show that we do belong at that level. And whether that's result or at the very least performance-wise, um, I'm still obviously not confident, but that might change as the, as the hours count down towards Friday. You know, by 8 o'clock on Friday, I'll be full kilt, face painted, running up and down my street in a horse, shouting freedom, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Jack, I'll come back to you because I think there has been talks around in sort of both lineups. Um, I think we've had time to cool down and assess the Croatia game. I, I think Croatia a good side and, and I thought there's no one I can really pick out had a bad performance, but was it the team I would have picked beforehand? I think I said in a reaction sort of review show, no. Um and yet, Calvin Phillips was man of the match. I was going to say Calvin Harris there. That would have been bad. Um, different guy entirely. Different nation entirely. He's um, one of them on Friday night. He's a Scotsman, isn't he? Yeah, uh, Calvin yeah. Harris. Dumfries boy, yeah. Um, but I think in hindsight, yeah, it's difficult to change the, the side. But then there's part of me that wants to see Grelish get let loose and, and kind of play more attacking players and really go at Scotland in the first 10, 15 minutes and try and kind of knock out any potential confidence that could build up from keeping the score level in the first 20 minutes. But but would you plump for the same side as Croatia and kind of uh, go with a side that's just one of your game against a good side or would you change it up? I would change it, but I wouldn't make wholesale changes. I think there's maybe three or four I would possibly change. I agree with you on the Grealish. I want to see him at the tournament. I think in terms of um, him on the ball, I think he's if you can get him... We've got that many options, Graham. You know, normally you would say straight, starting straight away, but we have quite a few options. But he didn't get on the pitch. He didn't play at all against Croatia. So I think he has to be in the frame against Scotland. Um, I'd probably change the left-back as well. I know Trippier is quite solid at the back, but we've got two more attacking left-backs, Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell. And they're actually left-backs as well. I mean, Kieran Trippier, don't get wrong, he did nothing wrong and he's solid. But I'd rather see Chilwell on a short left-back. We might not be a little bit more going forward. Um, against against Scotland, um, so there's two changes. I'm trying to think of another one I would maybe make Jordan Henderson back in if he's fitting Harry Maguire. Maybe those two. Um, I think maybe like I say, maybe three or four players that come into the fold. I wouldn't make too many changes because I think it was a good 
a good win. But yeah, I think there's opportunity there. And I think with tournament football, the key to doing well in a tournament is managing your squad. I think it's getting it's being able to play as many, you know, players at the right time and get them fit and have them all kind of raring to go. And I think, you know, there's an opportunity against Czech Republic, hopefully if we qualify, then maybe to make a bit more rotation. But I think a few changes wouldn't go amiss against Scotland, yeah. Keep it fresh. Yeah, I was thinking about the Czech Republic game. If things all go well, then you've got that opportunity. But then if, if things don't, it's a must-win game. You might play your, your same side. But I would like to see, and it's no nothing against Kieran Trippier at all. Um, I don't mind him being on the right-hand side. But but for me, Trippier was there to, to make sure that we were defensively sound against the team that were runners-up in the last World Cup. I, I don't think we necessarily need to do that in this game. Not Certainly not on the left-hand side, maybe on the right-hand side. So maybe put Trippi on the right and, and put Kyle up on the bench. But um, Calvin Phillips would have been the one that was on nobody's team sheet that I knew uh, before the Croatia game. He was easily, and arguably, I don't think I've seen anyone say anything different, man of the match. Whereas Sterling was probably the other one that was kind of, people say, oh, I want to see Ford and Grealish and Mount. And I was one of them. Um, Sterling scored, Phillips got man of the match. Do you think it would be a little bit too harsh to take them out and put in uh, Grealish or, or Henderson? Um, I get where you're coming from. You know, Calvin, Calvin Phillips played well. Um, you I mean, almost said Calvin Harris there, didn't you? And, and, and you've got me saying a proxy. <laughs> um, maybe Calvin Phillips, and, can Calvin Phillips and Jordan Henderson play together. Could you maybe drop Declan Rice? I know a lot of fans like Declan Rice, but maybe he could be rotated. And maybe in terms of who you would drop for Grealish coming in, uh, maybe maybe mount maybe maybe you can you know I, I don't like to use the word drop you know I'm squad rotate type thing yeah. but I think that we, we're lucky to have quite a few options and I think you know players need to realise that because we've got such a strong squad particularly in attack and midfield I mean we've got any amount of options in attack and kind of the behind Harry Kane role whether you want to call that other strikers or in the front three or attack and midfield whatever you want to call it. We're blessed with so many options, but I'd just like to see Grealish really get a run out against Scotland and really see what it can do. I think Scotland are going to try and sit deep and frustrate us, and I think you're going to have the opportunity to have a lot of the ball, and I think that's where Grealish will come into his own, get someone on, dribbling, taking on players. He's going to get fouls, you know, he gets fouled for fun, so he's going to get Scotland players worried, you know, fouling him, giving yellow cards away, and that's when he comes into his own, really, in that kind of just outside the box area where we're probably going to have a lot of the ball, we're going to need someone to tie it all together and maybe either the needle pass type thing. And I think that's where Grealish could come into his own. So I'd like to see him start Grealish on Friday. How much of an advantage do you think it is that the game's at, at Wembley as opposed to Hamden Park or a neutral ground, maybe? Huge. Um, I think England versus Scotland at Hamden would worry me as an England supporter more than at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Um, the Scottish fans are superb. You know, they'll get, get behind the team. Um, they make the noise. So if we were playing them at Hamden, I'd be a little bit more concerned. Uh, I thought last time when we played them at Hamden, we were in control at 1-0. Um, and then suddenly Griffiths gets those two free kicks and bangs them in and the crowd, the atmosphere was unbelievable. It looked like it looked like we were going to lose. Luckily, we got out of it with a draw. But I think the atmosphere could could have been the turning point if it was played at Hamden. And I think England just need to, you know, they're going to have to be patient because Scotland will frustrate us. But I think, if we get, keep the intensity up, don't drop and just keep the ball, you know, keep the level of passing up, crispness, intensity, we're going to get chances against them. And I think just stay patient, keep the intensity on and we'll get chances and hopefully get at least one in the, in the first half and then, you know, make it a bit more comfortable for the second half so we're not chasing. 
Come to you, Nick Scott. I think um, there seems to be a serious doubt over Kieran Tierney or Tyranny, as Connor called him. Um, and, and at the time of speaking, if I'm honest, I could be wrong because I don't know him. But to me, it seems that if he's going to play, it's going to be a risk and he's not going to be fit 100%. But I suppose, straightforward question even if he's only 50% to 60% fit, do you have to go with him based on the how big the game is? I think so. Aye. I think if, um, if, like you say, if he's sixty percent fit, if we, the what the concern there is that if he's sixty percent fit and we get seventy minutes out of him and he plays well and then we have to replace him, you know, if we are still in the game, whether it's a, a draw, whether we're ahead, whether we're one goal behind and we're still in the game, whatever, and then you have to replace him, do you really want to be, unless you're forced to? taking one of your centre-backs off to replace them with another centre-back with 20 minutes to go if they've not got the legs to get them through the 90 minutes. So that, that obviously is a, a dilemma. The other dilemma is I, I think that if if Tierney doesn't play, we shouldn't go with a sort of three at the back, which turns into the five at the back, because that formation is made to get Robertson and Tierney in together. So, you know, there's a whole number of different issues there as to what happens if Tierney doesn't play. But yes, I think if he's if he's fit, then he plays. If he's almost fit, he plays. Without endangering himself, you know, and obviously at risk of injuring him any further, he plays for me. I think outside of that, there's obviously been a loaded debate about Scotland squad. I was just kind of listening to players that people have mentioned to me in the past couple of days or mentioned on Twitter that they would definitely play and 100% bring in. And I've come up with Che Adams, Billy Gilmore, Craig Gordon, David Turnbull, Nathan Patterson, Colin McGregor, all players that didn't start. So there's six players that potentially have been mentioned repeatedly by Scotland fans that could come into the side. It's not going to matter what the fans think. It's going to matter what Steve Clark thinks. But um, I was going to say, say you're Steve Clark, but we know you are. Um, how many changes would, would you make? <laughs> uh, I think... I've written my team down this week so that I don't end up with a starting 15 like I did for the Czech Republic games. So uh, we're good to go. <laughs> is, that, um, is that how Scotland are going to win, Scott? You're going to try and get 15 on the pitch at Wembley, is that well, it? We were trying to have 15 in the park at Hamden and we still get pumped because our goalkeeper <laughs> went up for a corner. So, you know, these things happen. Um, I think I would probably make, looking at it, uh, with the team that I've got, I've got one, two, three, four. I've got five changes. Uh, so I've got... I'm sticking with Marshall. Uh, I know he's been criticised for the error the other day, but <clears throat> I think I think he's a better goalkeeper than Gordon. Uh, I think that McLaughlin's not played that much football this season. So how how ready is he? How match ready is he? I don't know. Uh, so I'll stick with Marshall. I've went with the sort of three, which becomes a five, on the basis that if Tierney's fit. I've got Tierney in there for uh, Henry. If he's fit, I've got Gallagher in there for Hanley because I think that if if Declan Gallagher's playing the other day, I don't think we lose that first goal because he's powerful in the air, he's strong in the air. When that ball comes in, Schlick doesn't get between Gallagher and whoever. Gallagher's first to that ball. The chances are that if we do play with the five, you know, looking at the England team and how England set up the other day with Sterling and Foden wide, um, 
the chances are we're going to be dealing with a lot of balls coming into the box. So you want your strongest headers of the ball. And for me, that's Cooper and Gallagher, who are the two strongest headers of the ball. So uh, I've got Cooper, Gallagher, Tierney, Robertson, obviously. Uh, I'm I'm sticking with O'Donnell. Um, and I, you know, I'll I'll take I'll get pelters for this, and I'll take the pelters for this. However, there are there are two hills that I will die on for for defending my opinion. And one is that Stephen O'Donnell would not get half the abuse that Stephen O'Donnell's getting if the understudy didn't play for Rangers. <sighs> Secondly, Stephen O'Donnell would not get half the abuse that Stephen O'Donnell's getting if he played for say a Championship or a League One team. And Steve Clark alluded to that himself today. People forget that when Nathan Patterson came on against Luxembourg in a friendly, he got absolutely rinsed off a plumber twice in the first five minutes. Right? <laughs> Maybe if Nathan Patterson hadn't had that, that ban towards the end of the season and he had 18, 20 games under his belt, however, you know, the extra amount of games, maybe he could have went straight in. I don't think now's the time to throw Patterson in there. And as much as I think he's a good player, uh, I don't think O'Donnell was half as bad as uh, the other day. And although, you know, people will point out, you have a look through Twitter, and again, this is going to look like I'm defending O'Donnell because he plays for Motherwell and obviously I'm a Motherwell fan. But you have a look through Twitter and people can pinpoint three occasions where he made a, he made a wrong pass. Okay, fair enough. They bumped into Christie when Christie was hearing into the box. <laughs> And he done this, right? But see, if you watch the game back, people are also blaming him for the goal. But see, when you watch the game back, he turns to whoever's behind him and says, get this man. The person, whoever it is, I'm not sure who it was, but they don't move. By the time they move, he goes out, the ball's coming in. So people are saying he should have been out quicker, but he's, he's dealing with two men there. And I think he's been made a scapegoat. I think that at Wembley, we need all the experience that we can get. I'm not saying maybe bring don't bring Patterson on later on, uh, but I stick, I'll stick with O'Donnell uh, in there. I'm then going to, if it was me picking the team uh, and not my doppelganger, Uncle Steve, then, so I'd have my back five. I'd have McTominay sitting just in front of them. In front of McTominay, I'd have a mid three. I would have Turnbull, McGinn and Gilmer. So I'd have Turnbull in for Christie and I'd have Gilmer in for Armstrong. And then I would have Adams in for Dykes up front. There's not a chance that that's going to be the team because that three in the midfield is far too narrow and it, it does leave the wings exposed. And, you know, I've just defended Stephen O'Donnell for about 17 and a half minutes there. But, you know, I'm not daft enough to think that, you know, he's going to leave Sterling or Foden just running at him with, with no support in front of him. But, yeah, I would make, I'd make four or five changes if I was Steve Clark because I want to see his go for it this week. We're both, like... You, Jack, me, and we've discussed it in previous podcasts as well about quality. And sometimes that's what football is about. That's what gives you a more consistently successful football team, having more quality players. But there is always a day, you know, Sunderland Leeds, 1973, off the top of my head, there's days when the side with not just quite enough quality beats the side with loads and loads of quality just because they're 11 men against 11 men. I think... When you're talking England, Scotland, it's the oldest international uh, rivalry that that's ever been. Like there's there's murals down the road from me about the Scotland games and different Hamdens and stuff. How much of the game will be down to genuine quality 
which there is obviously a disparity between the sides. Not as big as some people think, but there is one. Um, but does quality always win out in derby games? Or, or do you think, Scott, this will be decided more on, on heart with maybe something different? Or do you think quality will show through? I think, in the end, quality will show through. Uh, and that's why, you know, sort of on the opposite of what Jack was saying, the reason I've got Turnbull and Gilmer in there is because with the sort of three behind Kane that England have got, I don't think we'll have a lot of possession. So in there, I'm wanting the players like Turnbull and Gilmer, and again as well, who can put their foot on the ball and slow it down a bit. Um, there, there is an element of it that I have absolutely no doubt that we will raise our game, that we we will play better than we played uh, the other day. You know, I've seen us beat France twice. I've seen us draw with Germany. I've seen us draw with Spain. Uh, I've seen us draw with Italy as well. You know, the, the big teams, and we, we do, and we can, we are capable of getting results against the bigger teams. And I think part of that does come down to our players just stepping up in those games, which is very frustrating when you're sitting drawn 1-1 with Luxembourg with three minutes to go. You know, you know the next week you're playing France and you've got a chance of beating them. When it comes to the whole Scotland-England rivalry, obviously where there have been fans in the in the ground, which is as good, sadly not as many as we would have liked, there's, there's definitely an element of, of nervousness because I think that England, the England squad might be a bit nervous, i.e. we can't lose this. Whereas the Scotland squad are probably going, well, we can't lose because we're not expected to win. You know, especially after the result the other day. If we do win, then it's a bonus. Or if we get a, a draw, even, it's a bonus. Whereas the, all the expectations on England, and what I'm hoping is that after sort of 25, 30 minutes, we don't watch England go 3-0 up in 10 minutes now, but I'm hoping that after 25, 30 minutes, it's still 0-0, uh, we're frustrating England, and then that sense of why are, why can we not break them down starts to creep in. Um, but, you know, I watched the England game the other day, and, and as we said, the, the person that stood out for me, the player that stood out for me was Phillips. And one of the things I noticed was that he, he loves a shot for outside the box. That's the kind of thing we need to be really aware of, is that, as Jack said, England are probably going to have a lot of possession in and around our 18 to 25-yard 25 area. We're going to have to defend it for our lives. And whether or not we can do that, we'll soon find out. On the flip side, Jack, normally I would look at, like, and this is going to come across as, for the Scottish people listening, this will be my English arrogance, but it is what it is. Um, I think I could realistically say to, to Scott, which players do you think are the danger men? And you could pick a fair few because of the strength of the squad on paper. When you look at Scotland's squad, the danger is really, really obvious. The left-hand side, um, KT, obviously, and Robbo uh, are both, in my opinion, world-class players that are in a, a squad. And, and they're far ahead of the, the rest of the players that Scotland have. So I think, say they're both played, that, that is a genuine worry that they could they could do something down that right-hand side. Who would you play to try and combat? combat say KT's playing, because I know obviously the, the debate on it, but say they are playing, who do you play to combat it? Um, it's a bit of a strange one because I, I criticised uh, Southgate for playing, well, not criticised, but it was a strange one for Southgate for going with Trippier at left-back. It may be an option at right-back with Trippier. You know exactly what you're going to get. You're going to get solid. You're going to get graft. Okay, he might not be as fluent going forward as some of the other full-backs that we've got in the squad, but he will sit. He's happy to defend, so 
possibly Trippier. One of one of the ones I was looking at was Reese James as well. I think Reese James has had a very very good season, um, and I think he could be the one that you know you play. It's basically we've got. I mean, it would have been um, would have been interesting to see if Alexander Arnold had been fit, whether mm-hmm. or not he'd have played him in in there, but. It's a bit of a difficult one because the, the threat from Scotland, as you've said, is on the left-hand side. But I'm also of the opinion that we're England, we're at home. For the reasons that Scott's touched on, we're going to be favourites. So I'm kind of torn between just go out and play our game. I think if we worry too much about Scotland, not, not to be disrespectful at all, but I think if England play uh, play well and, and attack, I think they should have too much for them. So I want to be respectful to Scotland, but I don't want to be too respectful, if that makes sense. I don't want to kind of alter our game plan just because Scotland happen to have two very, very good players. And I'm not doubting um, the two good players. I mean, they play for Arsenal Liverpool at the end of the day, so that tells you the two very good players. But I think, really, if we can, we can you know, get on the ball and, and attack from both sides, you know, we're going to be up there, the left-hand side, if he plays Chilwell ashore. We can get up and, and pin them back. I think we, we, take, we negate that threat, if that makes sense. I think if we can get up our right-hand side, then... You know, Kieran, um, Kieran Tierney and, and Robertson, and they're not going to be going forward if if England are going forward. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. So if we're penning them back and, and they're we're in their half, yeah, there's the threat on the counter. But I'd say kind of focus on us, not and and let Scotland worry about stopping us. If that makes sense. Would you fancy another fifty yarder from one of our players? Well, not from one of ours, like against against Scotland. It was excellent. It was a it was a it was a good goal. I mean that the. the the, the, the Scottish fans were kind of having a go at Marshall, but I think uh, I don't think anyone expected him to whip it in. It was a hell of, hell of a goal, you know, from there. But yeah, I mean that would be iconic. Uh, I think we've got we've got so far and done well not mentioning Gaza. I think uh, Gaza at Euro '96 that was an iconic goal, wasn't it? That stands the test of time. If you name, if you ask an England fan to name ten goals from England football matches in history, that would probably be up there in the top ten, wouldn't it? Along oh, with top the top one. <laughs> Along with the World Cup final goals and. Uh, yeah, it would, it would be nice to see an iconic goal, but any any goal would do me. I think it's important that we win the game. I know, you know, it'd be nice to kind of say, well, we finish second or we finish third and do that. But I think really, you know, we should be looking to beat Scotland. We're on our home patch with the favourites, all the pressure's on us. But go and, go and, win, go and win the game because, you know, people are talking about England, it's coming home and you know what I mean? But we have to prove it, you know what I mean? We have to go and win the games and it's no good saying football's coming home and then getting a draw against Scotland and saying, oh, well, it's all right. Well, it's not really because if you want to be genuine contenders at the tournament, again, probably going to come across as a little bit arrogant, but if you want to be genuine contenders at the tournament, you should be beating teams like Scotland at home. Sorry if that comes across as arrogant, but if we want to be classed as genuine contenders, this should be three points on Friday night. And I think if we approach it in the right way, don't be complacent, you know, do the basics and do well. I think we should get the win. I think I think I'm I'm fairly confident. Scott, I was gonna ask Jack if he felt a draw would be a good result in the context, but he's answered that. Um very well. <laughs> I know sometimes in a derby game, especially if you're the underdogs, not getting beat is, is a good result. And being a Sunderland fan, I think I think that about Friday, not getting beat, considering we beat Croatia. I'd probably be quite happy with it, but like taking the context where I live and, and that will probably give you a reason why I'm a little bit slightly more pessimistic. But from a Scotland perspective, a draw on paper is a good result. You've gone to Wembley, it's an away game. You've gotten a result in the in the backyard of the joint favourites to win the competition according to the bookies. But then you face Croatia. Um, realistically, of course, you can be Croatia at hand and no problem. But do you think a draw leaves too much pressure on that final game, which there's been a few times we've seen Scotland wilt in 
well, in tournaments, haven't they? I mean, just the same as what Jack says, you know, it's, it's, it's very similar. You know, if, if we're going to win the tournament, we need to be beating shite like England. So, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's exactly the same, you know. So we really need to be winning. A draw's not really good enough for us. Um, uh, you know, it all, again, it all comes back to Monday. You know, if, if we had, even if we'd taken a point on Monday, then I would have said, yeah, yeah, a draw will be good. Um, we need to win. We do, and, and I, I say that seriously. I know I, I joke there, but we, we do. Because as Steve Clark said, we're not there just to make up the numbers, you know, and, and if, if any any fans think that or any players think, oh, you know, it's nice just to be in a tournament, then just hang your shirt up and out. Just don't don't bother coming back because that's a dreadful attitude and we should be going there. We should be going to Wembley to win the game. We shouldn't be going to play for a draw. We should be going to win it. If after 90 minutes we get a draw, then I would be happy with that. But the caveat to that is I'll only be happy with it if it's not one of those ones where it's like, ah, you, I'd have taken a draw at the start. You know, that's one thing in football that winds me up is when your team absolutely pummels a team better than them. So, you know, but I see it with Motherwell. We, you know, we'll play Rangers, we'll play Celtic, for example, and we'll maybe we'll be 2-1 up and they'll get a late equaliser and folks say, I'd have taken a draw before it. That, for me, is code for we should have won that game. But if it's an even game, both teams have chances and it's a draw, then I, um, I wouldn't turn my nose up at a draw. Last but not least, before we go on to predictions, um, this is probably quite a controversial one, which I've been a bit worried about broaching, but nonetheless, we've discussed it before. So if anyone's listened previously, you, you might understand why we're, we're asking this question. There was quite a lot of conversations online surrounding the Scotland fans singing if you hate England, clap your hands or something like that, or, or stand up if you hate England or something. And many fans were saying, oh, it's unsavoury, I don't like it, you know. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I see football rivalry as, as fairly commonplace and, and those sort of songs fairly commonplace, as long as it doesn't delve into nastiness, violence or stupidity or breed any ridiculousness, which I, I tend to to think between England and Scotland it doesn't and probably not so between Sunderland and Newcastle Hamilton and Motherwell whisper quietly we've all got friends who support the shite up the road it's just kind of the way it is but looking back at the video and stuff like that Jack I'm just genuinely curious do you think in the world that we live in now those sort of songs need to stop or are you quite happy with having it both ways and quite enjoy that kind of football banter I'm all for. I think we've got to we've got to separate the line between. I'm I'm all for culture changing and where you know, sexism and racism and things like that in the game. I'm all for moving Absolutely. things forward. Yeah. But I do think now and again, we we get we delve into the rules. We delve into the line whereby there's going to be no kind of atmosphere, no chant, no banter at games anymore. It didn't bother me one bit. The Scotland fans singing, "If you hate England, clap your hands." It doesn't bother me when the Newcastle fans sing, "Stand up if you hate Sunderland." It doesn't bother me at all. I think it's part of football. I think, you know, if you tell the Scotland fans not to get up, it's the first tournament in 23 years, you tell the Scotland fans not to be up for a game away at England, then you might as well just cancel the Euros and say, well, not play the game. Do you know what I mean? I get sometimes it can go over the line and go over a little bit too far. And when you delve into violence and involving women and children and there's people then getting arrested and things like that, it's not great to see. But having said that, you can't temper things down. You can't have it one way, and all the you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? You have it, have it one way whereby the passion's there, the atmosphere's there, the banter's there. It's great, 
and now and again it goes over, or you're totally diluted down and it's like a Sunday afternoon game between, I don't know, Redden and Watford or something like that, you know what I mean? And it's like... Redden you know, and my go-to boring football club. I hope I have no Redden listeners because they're my go-to pointless <laughs> club. <laughs> but it was literally the first two kind of Southern clubs that I could think of that like <laughs> I, could, I could think of that didn't have like atmospheres. Or, but no, I think I, I'm not kind of meaning to negate, you know, sexism or the racism. I think people use that as an excuse or there's this woke generation and you can't have a joke about things anymore. You can, and that doesn't, that should never take away from the fight for equality in terms of sexism and racism. But when you, you're getting on about that and singing and chanting in a pub, do you know what I mean? That's taking it far too far. Do you know I what I mean? It's just, the, it's just the competitive nature of football. I think, I think that rivalry comes from that. I mean, we're all on a podcast together. Like, I want to beat of Scotland. Course. Course. I live in Scotland. I want to beat them. But for ninety minutes, for, for ninety minutes on Friday, me and Scott don't like each other. Do you know what I mean? But then afterwards, we can come out. We can have a big crack about the game. We can say, "Oh, you deserve to win." This is what happened. We can have a chat and have a laugh, and you know, it's not forgotten about. But it's it's not it's secondary to the fact that we get on and do this podcast. And I think if you if you take that passion, you take that element out of football and games like England and Scotland, you wouldn't have that the the game that you have. Everyone loves singing. You know, if you hate Newcastle, cut your hands. Stand up if you hate the Mags and the rivalry, the passion of Derby Day. And you, you can't have it always. You have to accept the rough with the smooth. And I think stuff like that, you, you dilute the game, you take all the passion out of it, and it wouldn't be the same game. So, no, I, I disagree with that. I think sing the songs and, and get behind it and wind each other up and enjoy it. I think uh, <laughs> you can't imagine getting March to St. James's from the Central Station being like all the mags as you go. But I think, tally ho, tally ho, yeah. good game. Hope yeah, you have a good game. Just, I, I, I wouldn't want it though, Graham. I wouldn't, nah, I wouldn't want either. that. I, I like going through Newcastle on Derby Day and having them singing at us and giving us stick and calling us Macam, you know, whatever. It, it, it's great. I, I enjoy it. I it's love part it. Of, it's part of competitive nature. As long as it doesn't it go too far, which obviously we know it sometimes does. I don't think anyone agrees with that. But, but Scott, my question to you would be, are you going to be singing it on Friday? <laughs> Friday? Mate, it's ten past nine and uh, <laughs> it's this Wednesday. I, I'm ready to burst into the now. Uh, no, you know, I, I agree uh, 100%. With, with Jack, you know, I, I think that we, we live in a time where things get blurred into other things, right? Where, so, you know, so for example, the, the, the whole, without going down the, that route, the, the, the UK political scene, shall we call it, is very fragile at the moment, you know, and going on Twitter or singing that song or whatever. And like Jack says, you know, keep away from the you know, obviously keep away from the, the homophobic, the racist, the sexist, anything like that, which any decent human being would know is too far. You know, if, if I'm singing, you know, if you hate England, clap your hands or whatever, and then in like probably you know, 10 weeks time, I'm going holiday in England or whatever, you know, next season I'm hoping to, to come down and see a Sunderland game. I'm definitely wanting to get back to my, my Gateshead games. And obviously you guys are, are welcome up here whenever there's a difference between that being football banter and someone who reads that as if me saying I hate England, I hate English people I hate everything about it, I don't do I hate the English football team? Yes. Would I change that? No. Absolutely not. And I'm not even going to to kid on. Do I want England to get pumped in every game they play? Yes I do. Why? Because England are our big rivals. It's as simple as that. Does it mean that I hate them? Does it mean that I dislike people? Does it mean that I dislike the players? Uh, other than Harry Kane, no, I don't. Uh, they don't bother me. I'm only kidding. Um, you know, I, I don't know these players personally. 
it, it doesn't offend me. Uh, and I don't really particularly like Graham right enough. You know, there are some Englishmen that I could just I could just be doing with it. That'd be all right. I got I got called I got called Don Hutchison the other day, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite good. I was like, I'll take that as a compliment. Wish, take I, that wish I had his bank balance. I'll tell you that after right. left Sunderland, if you're listening, Don, don't forgive you. All right, yeah, legend, absolute legend. Yeah. Uh, but no, you know, like we say, Friday, whatever happens, um, you know, between us ourselves, and obviously there are sort of chats that we have and stuff, and other mates that I've got who are, uh, who are unfortunately for them who are English. It's a shame. We've all got our axe to grind. Uh, then you know, listen, if we win, you'll be getting it tight, and if we don't win, then I expect to get it tight. That's what football is all about. The minute that disappears, for, it, for me. You just pack it in. It's. I mean, now uh, obviously went to the fan zone on um, Sunday, and like there was like four England fans and about three thousand Scottish fans, or whatever it was. So it was like kind of like oh god. And like Ashley was with me. Obviously, Ashley being a Scotland fan, she was like oh god, oh no. So I was like, I'm not going to wear England shirt and pinpoint it. But nonetheless, the national anthem gets sang. And I'm not even a huge fan of the monarch. I'm not pro monarch. I'm not anti monarch. I'm just not bothered. But singing the national anthem, I thought, ah, oh, don't bother going. But then when it gets booed, you start singing it. But then the table next to us and, and me and the table, like I said, what, what part of Croatia are you from, lads, when they're booing it and stuff like that? They gave me a bit back. By the end of it, they were, they were asking me to go to a house party and I'm going, lads, COVID, I can it. But by the end of it, they're like, oh, you're great, crack, like just come. And it was like, that was the thing, the rivalry actually created a friendship. We ended up adding each other on Instagram and chatting and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, the short answer for me is I'm the same. Uh, Quick one before we go, as always. Um, I'll come to you first, Jack. Predictions and goal scores, unless you're going for a nil-nil, which I don't think anyone ever does. Uh, no, I'm not going for a nil-nil. Um, not surprising to people, I am predicting an England victory. I don't think it'll be 4-5 like some people are predicting. I think people are maybe uh, over-inflating the gap between the two teams. We have touched on it. There is a gap in quality, but that doesn't necessarily mean that There'll be a gap in scores on the pitch. I think Scotland will raise the game. Um, they'll definitely be better than they were on Monday against the Czechs. They'll be wounded a little bit, which is always a bit of a worry when you're playing a wounded team. Um, so I think we have to be careful and approach the game in the right way. But I think I'm going to go for a 2-0 England win. I think the goal in each half. Um, I think the goals... I think I'm I'm going to go for a Harry Kane goal. I think, uh, I think Harry Kane might get one. And I've talked them up enough, so I'll maybe say Jack Grealish might flick one in as well. Kane and Grealish, one in each half. Um, I think Scotland will put up a good show. I think they'll make a fight of it. and We might get the second goal late on. I think they'll be in the game right until the final whistle. But yeah, I'm going 2-0 England. I'm going to go 1-1. Just to kind of... I, I just I worry. It's context of where I live and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'll take... I, I fancy Harry Kane again and, and McGinn again for Scotland and I think it'll be Scotland to score first uh, but Scott I don't know if you're as technically uh, positive as I am about Scotland's chances how do you feel it's going to go on uh, Friday uh, it's, it's a head and a heart type dilemma for me um, my head thinks probably similar to what Jack would say you know I think we, we will turn up we'll perform well but we, we just might be undone by some of the class which is in there, but... Is your uh, head telling you no, but your body's telling you yes? My mind's telling me Jim. no, eh? What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my, my, my body's telling me then that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to come and win 6-0, so that's fine. No, I think... I don't know. I, I could... Craig, Craig Brown predicted 9-3 on the last I, podcast I did for work. Yeah. Aye, yeah. so... Uh, aye, well, why not? 
Uh, I'm not having that. That's a rugby score. I'm, I'm, I'm not having that. I'm was, not having that. Graham, was that not his age that you had asked him <laughs> rather than the score? <laughs> You're getting mixed up there. Uh, I'm not I'll sure stick, how he was being, but nonetheless. I'll, uh, I'll stick my neck out and say two each. Two, two. Desmond. Okay, fair enough. Well, thanks as always for, for joining us. Um, I'm hoping Scotland fans and England fans listening to this and, and you can see the balance that we're trying to have in conversation, but enjoy it. Most importantly on Friday, it's we've had a bloody tough 16, 18 month or whatever it is. And, and if, if there's anything to go by, whether recent announcements will be stuck on our own little island for the best part of the next century. So um, enjoy the little bit of freedom that we haven't had for ages. If you go into the game, enjoy it. Um, have a couple of drinks and, and look after yourselves. And as always, before you do that, just subscribe. Um, because I've never used to say it before. I've started saying it and you started actually subscribing. So thanks very much. Cheers. And uh, good night, good morning, good evening. Come on, Scotland. Come on, England. Shut up. <laughs>